Today we're in the process of going through um, Elijah, his life, his ministry, uh, things that took place in, with him, and how do they relate to us. And sometimes we don't really understand how someone in the Old Testament can relate to us. I used to think that way, and, you know, it, it, it kind of became obvious as I started studying, having to study uh, the Old Testament through school that, you know, there's a lot of similarities. There's a lot of things that took place in different people's lives that became obvious that was me. And I learned how they dealt with things. Um, I wished I would have learned a little bit sooner and, and not, be, not when everybody all of a sudden things happened and now I have to deal with it just like they did. I wish I would have learned on the front end, not the back end. And there are still times that we learn on the back end even though we have examples in front of us all the time. Elijah is one of them. So if you will turn with me, please, to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start there. It's 1 Kings chapter 18. I'm going to do some skipping around because it's a fairly long chapter. Okay? And we could fill in some blanks and we could go from there. 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 1. After a long time... In the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Go and present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the land. Okay, let's stop for just a moment. It has not rained for three years. Okay? I don't know about you, but it doesn't take long for me to get parched, you know, and, and dry myself. Okay, but the land, for the land and it not raining for three years. We used to live in Wyoming. And you would drive across Wyoming and you could get all the storms and the dust blowing across the ravines and, and everything else. And it was almost as bad as a whiteout here in Minnesota during the winter. That's what the land was like. For three years it had not rained. Skipping down to verse number 3. And Ahab had summoned Obadiah, his palace administrator. Obadiah was a devout believer in the Lord. While Jezebel was killing off the Lord's prophets, Obadiah had taken 100 prophets and hidden them in two caves, 50 in each, and had supplied them with food and water. Skipping down to verse number 7. As Obadiah was walking along, Elijah met him. Obadiah recognized him and bowed down on the ground and said, It is well, it is, is it really you, my lord, Elijah? Yes, he replied. Go, tell your master, Elijah is here. What have I done wrong, asked Obadiah, that I, that you are handing me or handing your servant over to Ahab to be put to death. Skipping down to verse number 11. But now you 
you tell me to go to my master and say, Elijah is here. I don't know where the Spirit of the Lord may carry you when I leave. If I go and tell Ahab and he doesn't find you, he will kill me. Yet I, your servant, have worshipped the Lord since my youth. Haven't you heard, my Lord, that what I did while Jezebel was killing the prophets of the Lord? I hid a hundred of the Lord's prophets in two caves, 50 in each, supplying them with food and water. And now you tell me to go to my master, say, Elijah is here. He will kill me. Elijah said, as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, I will surely present myself to Ahab today. So we're going to break this portion of scripture up into three segments. First, we see Obadiah. Now, Obadiah means servant of Yahweh, or worshiper of Yahweh. Now, in reading about Obadiah, some people suggest that he is the author of the book Obadiah that you find a little bit later on, uh, towards the end of the Old Testament. It's one of the minor prophets, not that what he said is minor, it's just that it's smaller. Okay? Plain and simple. But nobody really knows if this really is that Obadiah. All we know about Obadiah is that it says that he respected and feared the Lord. Until the pressure was on. He respected and feared the Lord until the pressure was on. Obadiah did everything that was right. He went and he was hiding the prophets of, of the Lord in caves. He was feeding them. He was bringing them water. Yeah, in the back of his mind, he may have thought, well, Jezebel may kill me too. But it wasn't imminent. It wasn't right there in front of him. So he kept on doing it. But when the issue came and it was right smack dab in front of him, it's all, all of a sudden it's, wait a minute. Um, you want me to go do what? Are you crazy? I don't want to die. You're telling me that because you want to meet with Ahab, because remember, Elijah is the one who said that it wasn't going to rain for three years in the chapter before. So everybody was blaming Elijah for this drought. Now the portion of scripture that we kind of skipped over, you have to understand that, that Ahab had told Obadiah and had sent out other people throughout all the lands around to find Elijah and bring him to him. I want to see him. Okay? So, now, you kind of get the picture that now Obadiah is facing with, I'm out here looking for you, looking for grass for our cattle, looking for some type of water, and you're telling me now that you want me to go tell the king, Yoo-hoo, 
I'm here. That's kind of a scary situation. I mean, Ahab was mad. Ahab was thirsty. And Ahab was hungry. It says that there was little to no food in all the land. Okay? Now, you know the king eats. Okay? The king is always going to have food. But the rest of everybody else, they were the ones who were suffering. Now, if the king is hungry and the king is thirsty and he wants this resolved, think about everybody else in the land. Obadiah feared for his life. And sometimes we come to that same place where the pressure comes on and we realize that things may not be right. Not too long ago, we did a series on God's Not Dead 2, the movie, and kind of did some uh, sermon series pointing out different pieces of that. But if you remember the two movies, God's Not Dead and God's Not Dead 2, there was, there was a pressure put on someone to defend what they believed. Are we ready to do that? Are we ready to defend, even though we may do some actions that portray that we are serving God? Obadiah hid people. He fed them. He watered them. But when it came down that I have to go in front of somebody and tell them that you're here, when it becomes personal, it's a different story. If you look to the New Testament in Matthew chapter 26, verses 3 through 5, we see that the Jewish leaders set out to kill Jesus. Then the chief priests and the elders of the people assembled in the palace of the high priest, whose name is Sai. So, okay, so they're in the palace of, the, of Sai, and they schemed to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or there may be a riot amongst the people. You see, when times get tough, what do we do? Now, we in the United States may not face the, prop the proposition of being killed because of our faith. We probably don't have that martyr aspects going on around us on a daily basis. Some of our missionaries, some of the people that have gone to other countries, they face that on a daily basis. It's not something that is possible to them. It could be probable for them. And every day they face that and they're willing to do it. How many times are we willing to stand up within our work, within our family, within our friends around us, our neighbors, to say that we believe in Jesus Christ and this is right and this is wrong? 
too many times we back off and we just kind of say, I just won't say anything at all. I won't take a stand. I won't be bold and be obvious. Even though God's prompting you, would you say something? At least that's the way I feel. And yet sometimes it's just one of those of silence is golden, right? No. It's not. Silence is, stand, is letting things go by us that need to be dealt with and taken care of. Even though Obadiah feared and respected God, when it, came perso- when it became personal, he wanted to back up. Too many times I feel like Peter... And we see in Mark chapter 14, verses 66 through uh, 72, his denial of Christ. And it reads like this. When Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with the Nazarene, Jesus, she said. But he denied it. I do not know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing there, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you are one of them from the for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses and swore to them, I do not know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the words of Jesus had spoken to him before the rooster crowed twice, you will disown me three times. He broke down and wept. I don't know where you stand with God or where your relationship is with Him. I don't know the things that you face on a daily basis. Where you work, what you do, where you live, and the people around you. But when God gives us the opportunity to own him, we need to own him. Because we need to remember, and I didn't put this in my notes, so it's not going to show up on the screen. But Jesus said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my Father. And heaven forbid that when we get to heaven and we face Jesus and we face God, that he denies us. Just because I wasn't willing to take a stand. Because it was personal. Elijah, after he had met with Ahab and said, hey, you know what? 
you have walked away from God. You and all of Judah. I want, God told me we're going to have a showdown. So let's pick up back to 1 Kings chapter 18. We're going to start reading at verse 18. And it says, I have, I have not made trouble for Israel. Judah, I, Elijah is now talking to Ahab. Okay? Elijah replied, But you and your father's family have. You have abandoned the Lord's command and have followed the Baals. In other words, this God that they had come up with from the area. Now summon the people from all the land of, over Israel to meet me at Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. And bring the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Ashar who eat at Jezebel's table. We're going to skip down to verse 25. Everybody's gathered there. They're getting ready for this. Elijah talks to the prophets of Baal. Choose one of the bulls to prepare, prepare it first, since there are so many of you. Call on the name of your God, but do not light fire. In other words, let's back up for just a second. He got everybody on top of the mountain. All the prophets of Baal are there, and they said, okay, you make an altar, we're going to have a contest. You make an altar, you get first choice of, of the two calves, or the two bulls that are here, and whoever, whosoever God lights fire to the, to the sacrifice first, is God. Okay? Now, I don't know about you, but wouldn't you want to go first, just in case? Just saying. Uh, so, starting back to verse number 26. So, they took the bull, given to them, and prepared it. They called on the name of Baal this morning, from morning till noon. Baal, answer us, they shouted. But there was no response. No one answered, and they danced around the altar they had made. At, at noon, Elijah began to taunt them. Now that was real Christian-like, wasn't it? <laughs> so, shout louder, he said, surely he is God. Perhaps he is deep in thought, or busy, or traveling. Come on. Maybe he's sleeping and must be wakened. Now, one translation says, maybe he's in the bathroom. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, it's, it's kind of like someone sitting there saying, na 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 you know, it just kind of irritates you. So let's see what the prophets did. We find here, going on, uh, starting at verse, going back to verse 28. So they shouted louder and slashed themselves with swords and spears as was their custom. 
this wasn't something new. This is something they did. They thought if they mutilized themselves that God would answer. Okay? Until blood flowed. Midday passed, and they continued their frantic prophesying until the time of the evening sacrifice. But there was no response. No one answered. No one paid attention. Then Elijah said to the people, Come here to me. They came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. Elijah took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes descended from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, My name, Your name shall be Israel. Now if you remember, there was an altar there of the Lord, and it had been torn down because they were now serving other gods. So Elijah rebuilt the altar. Okay? Starting at verse number 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed. Well, first we need to, we need to understand something. I, I need to go into... This is the last part. We need to, we need to get the, first, the, the main part of the story. Okay? Elijah makes, makes the altar. He, puts, he cuts up the bull, puts it on him. He tells people to dig, a deep, to dig a ditch around the altar. Okay? Then they take four jars, each containing, that would contain 13 quarts of seed, go down the mountain to find water. Again, it hadn't rained in three years. And Mount Carmel's not exactly near the ocean. Okay? Fill up these four buckets, or these four jars, bring it back, and dump it over the sacrifice. Not once, not twice, but three times. Twelve jars of water dumped onto the sacrifice. The ditch is full. The, the bull is soaked. The rocks are soaked. The ground around it is holding this water standing there. Okay? So now we come to verse 36. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward, prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known today that you are God of Israel and that I am your servant and hear and have done all the things at your command. Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are the Lord, that the Lord our God. And that you are turning your hearts, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell down and burnt the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, and the soil, and also licked up all the water in the trench. When all the people saw, saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God. 
the Lord, he is God. Then Elijah commanded, seize the prophets of Baal. Do not let any of them get away. They seized him, and Elijah had them brought down to the valley of Kish, the Kishnon Valley and slaughtered them. The people of, of Israel, or Judah, had walked away from God. They were following this God, Baal. They had all these prophets. The king and the queen, they had gone so far as to cut off the prophets of God. They were trying to get rid of the truth. They were trying to stop the truth. In the United States today, the truth has been kind of pushed aside. We see it all around us. We feel it all around us. In other countries, it's been suppressed so far that, again, people are actually worried for their lives. When you suppress God, there's a hole that needs to be filled in our lives. For Judah... They made up a new God. For us, it could be our jobs. It could be, it could be our family. It could be sports. It could be many different things that we put in that place. And in my life for many years, sports filled that gap. It took that place that I needed to have filled but it didn't fit. It's either, well, it's always too small. It's never too big. Because nothing's going to fill the spot of God. But it just didn't fill the hole, and it kept leaking through. Too many times we allow those things to try and fill those holes, to fill that gap. Now, I want to point out very, very positively, Elijah heard from God to do this. All right? So in the next portion, you fully understand Elijah heard from God to do this. Okay? Matthew 19, verse number 26 says... Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Elijah heard from God to do this. But too many times, we do similar things. Okay, I want to tell you a, little, a couple little stories. When I was younger, my youngest brother, who is eight years younger than I am, Okay, he was kind of the, the kid that we, um, I wouldn't say picked on, but he was eight years younger than us, okay? We used to ha have a soccer area that we played in winter, and we would build the snow banks up over the side because it was a, part, it was a driveway and a basketball court, and 
So we'd have these big sides, and it was two teams and my brother Doug. Doug had his own team. He was so good, he, he got to be his own team. Well, that really wasn't the truth. It was because we could all pick on him. And we would come up behind him, and we would send him up over the snowbank. And one time, me and another friend, he was on the other team, and we looked at each other, and Doug was standing in the middle, and he had the ball. And we both kind of came forward, and we both forearm shivered him, and we picked him up and threw him up over the snowbank. Now, the snowbank was six, seven feet high, and he came rushing around, and we didn't hear him for a while, and all of a sudden he comes rushing around the side, and he goes, can we do that again? <laughs> there were times that we would play football. Oh, we forgot the football, and Doug was the football. So, you know, it was always two-touch, but when Doug was there, it was tackle and, you know, kind of a dogpile-type situation. I love my brother. Whether or not he loves me still is another story. But you know, and if, you, if my mom was here, she could say, yes, they did this to him. When I was youth pastoring in Michigan, we were at this church. And, and it was funny, after service, the girls would, we would all go to this little diner. And the girls would go up and they would order this chocolate chip cookie, hot fudge Sunday. All right? So now we're going to talk about food just before lunch. Get ready. A big chocolate chip cookie that fills the bottom of the dish. Now you could have mint chocolate chip, cookie dough, chocolate chip, or just vanilla ice cream. Smothered in hot fudge. With whipped cream, cherry, and sprinkled some more more chocolate chip cookie on top. Okay? And they would order a Diet Coke. <laughs> like the two were going to cancel each other out. I asked them about that, and they go, well, at least we didn't order the real thing. And I said, yes, but sometimes the diet stuff is just as bad or worse. Now, I say all of that to get to this point right here. There are times that we do the exact same thing that Elijah asked the people of Israel to do. But we do it unintentionally, and we didn't hear from God to do it. That is, we sit down with our problem in front of us, and we keep trying to fix it ourselves. Until all of a sudden, the water is full in the ditches. It becomes impossible, and we decide, let's turn to God. He can fix anything. All things are possible with God. I don't know about you, and I am not God. Thank goodness. Okay? Because I would probably look at you and say, as I would look at myself and say, yeah, right, you now give me this monster of a thing. When it was so small, it could have been handled easily. 
why is it that sometimes we dogpile stuff on top of ourselves before we turn to God? Why is it we lavish all of that water on top? Now, just to kind of give you perspective, 12 barrels at 13 quarts of seed is 39 gallons of water. Okay, 39 gallons of water. There have been times in my life that I can look back that God has reminded me of as I was preparing this that I probably tried to fix it 39 times myself before I turned to God. We need to stop dogpiling our lives and let God deal with it the first time. Why wait to the end for the miracle when we can have the miracle take place right now? God's waiting to do it. All we have to do is ask. Why wait till the end? The third, the third section of 1 Kings 18, starting at verse number 42, and then part B, we see this. But Elijah climbed the, the top of Carmel. He bent down to the ground. He put his face toward on, between his knees. And he told his servant, go and look towards the sea. He went, excuse me, and he went up and looked. There was nothing there. He said, seven times Elisha said, go back. The seventh time the servant replied, a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go and tell Ahab, hitch up your chariots and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black, and the clouds and the wind rose. A heavy rain started falling, and Ahab rode off to, to Jezreel. And the power of the Lord came upon Elijah. He tucked his cloak into his belt, and he ran ahead of Elijah all the way to Jezreel. It had not rained for three years. I, I don't know how I would have reacted if I was the servant. But you know, if it hadn't rained for three years and Elijah's there and he tells me to go look over the mountainside and tell him what I see, I may go once. I may go the second time. After a while, I may just have said, you're nuts. And sat down and didn't go anywhere. God's just asking us to be persistent. And stop giving up. Too many times, we, we, we pray and we pray or we look and we look and it's the next time that if we were to go, we would get the answer. 
We don't know what that means. I can remember a time in which I got a phone call from my grandma. And she had told me that, well, I knew my grandma was a praying grandma, okay? I knew this for a fact because when I was away from God, she would always position my bed right next to her closet, and she took it literally when it says, go into your prayer closet. And she would go in the closet, and she would pray, and she, they lived in one of these uh, kind of mobile home pieces, so the walls weren't very thick. And she didn't pray softly, she prayed loudly because my grandpa was hard of hearing anyways. And she would pray for me as loud as she possibly could with my head of my bed right there next to where she's praying. So I knew she did it. But I can remember getting a phone call one time and my grandma saying that after 21 years of praying, someone in our family had come to the Lord. And I knew for 21 years, every single day, she had prayed for that person. That's a long time. That makes it difficult to be consistent and keep going. There are three things I want us to take away from today. One is keep the faith. Keep the faith. Don't give in. When the truth is on our side, there's no reason to allow the things around us to take over. Don't give up. Don't give in. The second one is this. Keep giving, or keep giving it to God. Don't pile it on. Don't try and do things all by yourself, time after time again. Don't allow us to pile our problems and keep dogpiling it on. Let God deal with it. Give it over to him. And stand back and watch him do the miracle in your life. And the third thing is keep moving on. Don't quit. Don't give up. Keep looking over that mountainside. Keep praying. Keep giving those things and turning and saying, God, I need your help. Because as soon as we give up, we don't know that the answer wasn't right there. It's just outside of our reach. Today, like I said before, I don't know where you're at. Maybe you're at a spot where you've tried to fill that hole that God occupies within our lives with something else. Maybe you're in a situation where you've been piling on and you're trying to do something yourself and you haven't given it to God. Or maybe you're at a spot where you're just about ready to sit down because to go look one more time, it just, it's becoming too difficult. Wherever that is, know this. If it worked for Elijah, it will work for you too. 
It's worked in my life. It's worked in others' lives. It will work in yours as well. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to take some time that we can pray for one another. Maybe you're here today and you've been trying to fill that hole with something else. That hole that only God can fill in your life. If that's you today, I just want you to quickly raise your hand, put it down. I want to pray with you. God wants to fill that in your life. Okay? Maybe you're here today and you have this issue that's sitting there in front of you and you've been trying to work it out. Yeah, you may give it to God in a little bit, but you're trying to deal with it and you keep piling water on top. And you just want to hand it over to God. I just want you to raise your hand. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. You can put them down. Maybe you're here today and you've been giving something to God over and over and over and over and over again. And it's getting tiring on you to a place that you might just feel like giving up. And God is saying, don't give up. It's just over the hill. It's just around the corner. It's on its way. If that's you here today, I want to pray for you. I just want you to raise your hand quickly and put it back down. Thank you. Thank you. You put them down. I want to tell you something. Just as we read, as Jesus said it himself, there is nothing absolutely nothing impossible for God. Father, today, as we have looked at the life of Elijah, this portion of Scripture where great things have taken place, Father, there are those here today that, Father, want to stop piling things on. They want to give it all to you. Today, Lord, I pray with them. I pray for them. And I ask God that today, as they lay it before you right now at this very moment, that they are able to walk, stand up and walk away from it, leaving it at your feet, not picking it up again and taking it with them. Father, I ask for answers to miracles right now in those situations. I ask, God, that you would do something miraculous within their lives today, this very moment. Father, there are those who have been asking or have been pursuing something over and over again and Father, it comes to a place in our lives in which we feel like we can't do it one more time. Father, give us the persistence to keep going. Give us the patience to continue and to press on and to press in. Father, I ask again with those, Father, that the miracle that they've been waiting for 
that they have been pursuing and have been asking for. Father, I just pray that again with them that you would answer that prayer. Touch their lives today, Lord. That we may all know and those around us may know that you are God. The one and only God. Father, I just pray as we go from this place, may we take you with us. May this week be a week that is blessed by you. And may we be able to stand tall with you on our side. And we ask this all in your precious and heavenly name. Amen.